How are you, Anias? I'm good. I'm good. It's it's. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Happy to uh to to meet you online here. Oh, you too, man. Thanks very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Really yeah, my pleasure. It. Really appreciate. It. I was um I found out you by the the podcast you and Ed Piscar do class man. I really I really dig it. And then I got into your comics and started reading your comics and uh, I got through Street Street Angel. I love I love that there's an Irish astronaut. That's always uh. <laughs> With an Australian accent, that's always a good thing. <laughs> that's so funny. That's a, that's kind of an old comic for me. I I don't hear about that comic very often anymore. So that's that's right. pretty cool. Right, that was the first one I read of yours. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to that. It's cool. The Irish ast- astronaut was the second Street Angel story we ever made, yeah. and it was the first one we made after we got a publishing deal with Street Angel. Oh, so cool. it was like the first one where it's like we're gonna do this for everybody. Like, let's oh, cool. Figure out something. I, I was thinking when I seen the kind of clo- clover on him, I was like, is he Irish? Come on, there has to be an Irish astronaut. Come on, somewhere. <laughs> I was like, that's cool, man. <laughs> that's really cool. So like, how, um, I'm sure you got asked this question a billion times, but if you summarize quickly how you got into comics, were you, as a kid, was it just through? I bought a comic and um, there was almost like an electric charge. Like this is the thing that I want to do. And um, I always say before I came home with my first comic, I had decided I wanted to be a comic book artist, like literally on the car ride home, looking at the comic and seeing, you know, that there was, there were artists responsible for drawing this. I was like, I'm in like, this is it. I was probably about 10 and it hasn't really changed. Right. Was it Hulk? Was that the first comic you got Hulk? Hulk was in the first comic I bought. Yeah. Yeah, man. I love Hulk too. It, a very underrated. I liked, I know a lot of people didn't like that Ang Lee movie. I kind of liked it. I don't know. I, I liked the psychological aspect of it. I know I'm probably going to get shitted on for that. that was, <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, uh, I have no complaints about it. You know, it's, it's, it's such a different thing, uh, a movie compared to the comics. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I'm probably a lot more judgmental towards my comics than I am my movies. And excuse me one second while I let my cat out. I'm, I'm, I didn't realize he, he was in here whenever we started. Uh, usually I, I block him. I don't know if you saw him reaching for the doorknob. I did. But he opens the door if he's out and he comes in and goes out. Wow. And uh, yeah, but I trapped I, him inside this time. So the joke was on me. I have the same problem. My cat is trying to slowly get onto my laptop as she's just sitting over on the desk there. They just love, cats just love to get on everything. Just like. They do. And I have a standing desk where I do a fair amount of work. And that is his preferred place to uh, to sleep in my studio. It's always the same way. Same, same my little studio. I'm doing any bit of mixing and they just come up and they lie on their keyboard. You're like, dude, come on. I don't know. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Is it spite? Are they like, I'm just going to piss this guy off today? <laughs> yeah, it's not. Uh, you know, I probably miss it whenever he doesn't do it. But yeah. What's his name? Doesn't always work. What's his name? Kirby. Oh, cool. After Jack. Yes. Okay, that's that's a good one. My cat has the kind of weirder name. She looks like Joseph Stalin. So I call her Stalin because she's got a mustache. I know that's probably inappropriate, but she looks like Stalin. So I thought, why not? You know? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, it has to be done sometimes, you know. Not that she's a mass murderer and she's quite sweet. So she didn't take those traits. Thank you. Thank God. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> cats aside, you you've got the that new Hulk uh, comic coming out. What's yeah, Hulk, Hulk Grand Design Monster out March sixteenth everywhere. Cool man. Is there any kind of? Can you give anything away, or is there anything you can kind of? Um, I can tell you. You know, I, I I've been talking about it a lot in the last couple of weeks, so I've I've 
kind of gotten a better grasp, I think, of the project. And the way right. I describe it is like <laughs> we went into into lockdown and okay. I read 500 issues of the Hulk over and over for a year and Whoa. drew this book, you know, so it's it's my version of the first 40 year history of the Hulk. Um, you know, it's it's my favorite moments. It's my favorite covers. It's references to artists. It's references to things that happen in the real world, like the Hulk television show. Um, you know, so it's kind of a, a history of the Hulk, but both in and out of the comics. And, you know, the things overlap a lot more than one might realize. But the wow. summary is I just read the Hulk 40 years worth over wow. and over and uh, and made this comic about it. Wow. How long did that take you to do? That's incredible. Yeah, it's I mean, it's mostly, you know, the last year of my life was spent on this book. So, wow, man, that is intense. Did you watch? you didn't watch any of the well, I suppose it's a different time, but the, that Marvel Hulk cartoon, I remember that that there was one out when I was a kid in the 90s. I know that's that's after your area, but I, I liked that cartoon. It was all right. There, there, there was a Hulk cartoon in the 80s, which I yeah. did watch. Yeah, the there was a Hulk cartoon in the 60s, which you can find clips of on YouTube and look pretty cool. It's very limited <laughs> animation, but the animation often, you know, it looks like it's referencing the comics yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. certain uh, certain poses and styles and things. So it's kind of a kind of a fun thing to look at. But, you know, that's part of what I mean by like the Hulk. Like the first time I encountered the Hulk that I remember was on a cereal bowl when I was six. You know, like it, mm. I had no idea about comics or, you know, not even the television show. I just had, you know, it had kind of gotten through culture to the point of like i'm eating cereal and staring at the mightiest mortal to ever walk the earth yeah yeah do you think do you think hulk would have been as as like well known if he was gray i think the green kind of i know it was a, they had to put him green because of the ink or something like that wasn't it you know what uh, on cartoonist kayfabe we're reading about um a, a stanley deposition oh, from I was, 2010 i was listening to that the other day man that was cool and i just read a part uh, it hasn't gone up <laughs> live yet but i just read about why the hulk was changed from gray to green according to stan lee at this deposition and the reason is it was inconsistent from page to page the printers had trouble getting a consistent gray color so yeah. sometimes the hulk would be almost white sometimes it'd be almost black it just didn't it did not work and yeah. so they switched to green because they couldn't work out the uh the ink yeah i think it kind of works though it looked i, I like the green yeah yeah i do like the gray hulk when he's kind of the in las vegas kind of mob boss Hulk. That's kind of cool. But um, yeah, that's, that's my the... favorite Hulk because that's when I started reading comics. And it right. was because I was like, what is going on with this Hulk? This doesn't look like a green monster. <laughs> and I was curious. And, you know, that's uh, here we are now, you know, long you story like, short. Do you like the maestro? Uh, he's very important in my book. Oh, does okay. anyone like the maestro though, right? I mean, he's a, he's not no, a good guy. He's not a good guy, but he's a cool character. I always I always like that kind of. Uh, there's a weird dichotomy with Hulk because on the one hand he's good, but on the other hand he's kind of not good. And it's where do you do you delve deeper into that psyche of the Hulk? Because I think he's a lot more. I think maybe the general public kind of think, oh, he's just angry and he turns thing. But there's way more psychological stuff going on with the Hulk. I think. Yeah, I agree. You know, I'm doing two books. One is Hulk Grand Design Monster and one is Hulk Grand Design Madness. And 
I think the titles are uh, very reflective of what's inside each book, you know, and the madness reflects some of those different Hulk personalities and, and all of their struggles to coexist and, you know, different Hulks coming out and at different times. Um, right. You know, it's a lot of Peter David and w- was one of the longtime writers on Hulk. And most of that madness book covers his run. And he seemed interested in this, you know, this part of the Hulk exploring these different personalities. So it's a big part of the story. Oh, that's cool. What, what, of the 400 issues that you read, what is there anyone that like really stuck out in your mind that you kind of like you pinpointed and focused on? I'm sure there's a few, but was there one when you first kind of like, whoa, that kind of startles you a bit? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but there probably is an issue somewhere around like Bill Mantlo's run, because that was the first thing I needed to figure out was what is a story here? Because the Hulk yeah. is just he's kind of a chaos agent, you know, it's not necessarily a plan. It's not necessarily a clear design. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I read through kind of looking for what that piece is. And I think it shows up in Bill Mantlo's run. And it is when he gets into the psychology of Banner and Banner's childhood and, you know, these different Hulk, you know, Mantlo's the guy who plants the seed for those different Hulk personalities. And it probably happens. I can't tell you the exact issue because he wrote for a couple of years, but, um, yeah. it probably happens near the near issue 300. Um, you know, around around there. And probably it's not one issue, really. Like he, he does some interesting stuff with the Hulk's personality there. So that's about when it started to click for me. You know, like that's really kind of the divide in the book in my mind where it's like there are these kind of two versions of Hulk and they represent different time periods and, and even a different reading audience. So, mm. yeah, that was a big issue. I, I'll say 300, but it's really probably like, you know, 295 to 305 or something. Okay. when you When you were a kid... I got into comics just when that um oh god my cat sorry Stalin. <laughs> the theme here come here brother or sister sorry man hold on she can go there uh, i got into comics when the spider-man clone saga you know the second one the kind of 90s one and i yes. loved the kind of grittiness of peter parker i know people hate that clone saga but i loved the kind of him just kind of he wasn't a teenager and he had that. I never liked the kind of cartoony-ish comics of Spider-Man, even though they were aimed at me as a kid. Did you find yourself more into the kind of grittiness of comics when you were a kid? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know how much choice I had because that was <laughs> post, you know, it was post Watchmen and post Dark Knight Returns. Oh, wow. In the amount of derivative work that came out of those two works, it was all dark and gritty. You know, Wizard Magazine used to editorialize against these gritty, dark, violent comics. Yeah. Um, that was the thing. Like, that's what was selling. You know, even even uh, the guys on the X books that were selling millions of copies, like both of those books were darker and more gritty. Um, so I don't know if I could have avoided it, but I didn't avoid right. it. I like that stuff. <laughs> you know, I read Punisher and Batman and, and, you know, whatever violent indie comics I could find, like it was right up my alley and it wasn't that different than the movies I was watching, you know, like Canon films and and straight to video kind of action movies. And, you know, just, just these, these bad movies and bad comics in a lot of ways, but it was all in that gritty and grim kind of vein. Yeah. There's that weird kind of crossover. I find, I'm sure you're the same because he did comics on wrestling, wrestling, old school wrestling, not new wrestling, old school wrestling, like Bret Hart, all that vibe. There's a kind of crossover between wrestling and comics because they're um, they're kind of like superheroes in their own way. And I I find that um, definitely people in back in the 90s and a lot of 90s that if you were into wrestling, you were into comics. Was it the same for you when you were younger? 
I didn't know very many people that were into either. Like really? I kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere. So there wow. just weren't, you know, I, I, I didn't have friends like that I hung out with every day or something. You know, I didn't live in, in a place where there was a house, you know, right next door or something. And um, so I don't know exactly what everybody was into, but I didn't <laughs> know very many people that were into comics or wrestling. Um, but I do think there's a lot in common. I agree with you, you know, totally on that. I, I think there's a ton in common. And I mean, I had lost interest in wrestling and started to get interested when I heard retired wrestlers talking about storytelling in the match, you know, like in the fight. And when I started to hear that in the psychology of like the fight, it was like, well, I'm doing superhero comics. At the time I was doing Street Angel at Image Comics. And it's like, that's a superhero comic. How can I use a fight to tell a story? And so that's what got me sucked into it. You know, th this uh, idea of like the psychology that is applied in a wrestling match, um, mm -hmm. you know, especially by by guys who did this at a high level and, and, you know, made very successful careers out of it. It's interesting to hear, like, how does this work? How do you get the crowd excited? You know, how do you get them invested? You know, and, and it's so th there was a lot of storytelling in wrestling that I look at and think, like, how do you apply that to comics? That's cool. I was trying to find your what if Brett screwed Sean online. I couldn't get I couldn't buy it. Any I was like, where the hell do I buy it? Can I still get that? Is there somewhere online you could buy that? Do you know? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. All one. right. It's um, I, I live in the middle you, of nowhere, too. So <laughs> like... if you um, if you don't, I have a hard time figuring out like how to tell people to buy comics half of the time, because it's almost if it's a comic book, it's really dependent on having access to a comic book store. Although at this point, you know, I think a lot of stores do mail order. So, yeah. you know, finding some store, I guess, in Ireland <laughs> that would do mail order would be the, 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 the place to start. The closest comic book shop to me is about four hours away. And it was like that oh, even wow. as a, like I live in just by the sea. So it's a tiny little village. So even when I was a kid, it was to get comics in the local shop was a, it was a big kind of big thing. Yeah, I was I liked that when I seen that. I was like, oh, man, that's cool. If what if, what if Brett screwed Sean? <laughs> Are you a big Bret Hart fan or? Um, yeah, I guess I'm pro Bret Hart, you know, Me too. <laughs> he's Me not too. my favorite like wrestler, it. but I have nothing against him. <laughs> and I mean, look, you know, the, the, the Montreal screw job is possibly the most famous comics or I mean, wrestling story there is, you know, like For it's sure. fascinating. So, sure. um, again, from a storytelling point of view, like how could you not like Bret Hart? Yeah. For sure. Who's your favorite wrestler? I know it's hard to say who's your favorite, but. Um, I like, like a lot of wrestlers. I was really, uh, really high on Roddy Piper before he died. Oh, yeah, like I'd right. found his, his podcast and I don't know if you've ever heard any of yeah, it, but no, he's just professing his love for everyone and everything. And it just seemed like this guy who had this verve for life and maybe was trying to make amends for being yeah. <laughs> such a heel as a wrestler. Um, but I really enjoyed, you know, like kind of his attitude and what he put out on that podcast. And when he died, it was like, I was in the middle of, of listening to those and it was just crushing. So, yeah. um, I think, you know, like, like he's a guy that, that means a lot to me as a wrestler. Yeah. He, he just was such a cool dude. And his, his, uh, his psychology was so good. Like technically he wasn't be the greatest wrestler, but his psychology just made up for it. And his promos were and his promos were fantastic. You know, he, uh, yeah, like he's one of those guys that there, there are handfuls of wrestlers who it's kind of like they never broke in character. And he's one of those guys. And his gimmick was, you know, just this madman that went, you know, 110 <laughs> miles an hour and, and, and never stopped and never slowed down. And it's like, that's a tough gimmick to pull off <laughs> yeah. uh, all the time, you know? <laughs> so for sure, it, it makes for, you know, a lot of entertainment in front of a microphone, but man, it, it seems like that would be a hard thing to maintain. And I went through a phase of reading wrestling biographies and autobiographies. 
And, uh, and of course I read his, I forget what it was called, but he had one from, from years ago. And then when he died, he was in the process of writing another one. There was a, I think it was a, like a journalist was co-writing it with him and they were basically trying to sort out his stories. Like, uh, you know, the, the kayfabe is what they were trying to get yeah. to the bottom of because yeah. his first book is just, it, it's, it's, um, I think it's very inaccurate, I guess, is the way to say it, right, you know, right. but it's also like with Piper, you, you just never, that line was never clear between on camera and off camera or, or something, you know, I mean, I never encountered him off some yeah. recording device, so I, I can't say that for sure, but it really comes across as genuine, that character. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting subject matter to think like he's got two biographies. One, they tried to get to the real heart of these legendary stories that he would tell. Yeah. And then, you know, one that is just all kayfabe. Arne Anderson's is written in kayfabe. Right. And it's very fun. Like you read about like whenever he and his in Four Horsemen break Dusty's leg or arm or whatever, you know, and, and it's written like, then we broke his arm. You know, and it's like, what? I like that. I like it's, that. It's, again, very entertaining. Yeah. I think sometimes um, famous people that you kind of, I, I like that there's the mystery of things. Like sometimes when they, when you know everything about everyone, it kind of takes it away from it, you know? And that's what all those old school wrestling guys, when they keep the kayfabe going, I love that. Just like Undertaker and Bret Hart not friends and not riding with each other. You know, like that kind of stuff. If they're again, you know, I love that stuff. And I I think I'm not a huge fan of wrestling nowadays. Like I will still watch old school wrestling. I I love UFC, but I think that's I think that's kind of was a part of the mystique, especially when I mean, when I was a kid, I thought wrestling was real. I was like, how could The Undertaker do that to Shawn Michaels? He's going to like kill him. <laughs> you know, and I liked that aspect of it. Whereas now I think everyone knows it's not real, even kids. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I can't I can't say that. You know, I, I assume most people know what they're watching is some sort of a performance. Yeah, I definitely um, did but... when I was a kid. <laughs> Also, you know, like, like who's watching it at this point also, yeah. you know, the number, like ratings wise, it's just so, so, you know, low compared to probably right after the Bret Hart, you know, yeah. Apex, like that attitude era, the numbers just dwarf the viewership now, but Hey, yeah. I don't know anything actually about the wrestling business. So like, it's hard for me to speculate on any of this stuff. Yeah. I just take what I can to put into the comics, but yeah. I do enjoy hearing the stories, you know, and, and that, that a lot of these um, retired wrestlers or even active wrestlers, you know, talking stories about being on the road, I find all of that stuff pretty compelling. And it does remind me of comic book characters, you know, whenever they're talking about whoever they worked an angle with or a feud or were in the same territory as it feels like, you know, whenever Spider-Man crosses over into the Hulk or something, like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of neat. It, it, it gives them an added dimension of reality. And, you know, again, to go back to Hulk, like that's part of what I'm trying to do in my Hulk book is like, it's not just in the comics. It's mm. like also the stuff that was happening around it. You know, he was on a Rolling Stone cover in the seventies, you know, like think yeah. about that for a yeah, minute. It's, it's, and, and that was before the television show, I think. Wow. How long does it take you to like draw a panel out? Could you, I'm sure you had to tweak things constantly. I, I worked at a pace comfortably of two pages a week. Um, there were weeks when I did a little bit more than that, but there were weeks whenever I did less than that. Um, but that would be about the pace that I worked at. So, you know, it's hard to say how long something takes because I, yeah. I used every media you can imagine. You know, I, I drew this thing. I've used colored pencils, markers, ballpoint pens, markers, um, India ink, pen nibs, Japanese pen nibs, um, sable hair brushes paint, um, washes, 
So, you know, like virtual, a lot of digital, you know, like everything that I could, that I have access to has been applied to this book. Yeah. Um, and as a result, it's, you know, a lot of panels, it's, it's not like I was doing the same thing each day. So it's hard to say that, but I would do one page at a time. Um, I thought about like the old Sunday newspaper strips oh, yeah. and it was like, because I was packing a lot of information into them, you know, I think about advertising and posters and I would just like sit down and have like maybe one sentence describing what happened on the page. Right. And then I would be drawing it and writing it kind of at the same time, going back and forth and uh, just build like each page from a complete blank slate all the way to finish and then move on to the next page. So that was enjoyable. Oh. And did you, did you always like when you were, when you were a kid and you want to be a comic book artist, did you uh, learn from the perspective of drawing comics or did you learn from an art perspective? sure there's a crossover uh, anyways comics were definitely the major influence i took art classes i went to school for graphic design and we had you know fundamentals of drawing and figure drawing and i minored in painting and stuff so like i i had some art instruction um but i mean i'd be lying if i told you it wasn't the comics that i was copying out of especially whenever i was 12 and, and 14 and and really wanted to be a comic book artist you know that's the stuff i was looking at and that's that's kind of where i was learning um, I would study anatomy. Like I, I remember copying um, Loomis's anatomy book, like mm -hmm. recreating it basically in a sketchbook whenever I was in high school. So I tried a little bit, <laughs> you know, to learn how to draw other ways. Um, but the comics were a big influence early on. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, I I, um, I remember getting that that big how to draw Marvel comics. Do you remember that? That that it was like this big book. Was I that, that was. When I started buying comics, within a month, I had a copy of that book in my hands, <laughs> really? and it had it had the biggest impact because I was also reading Wolverine, which was drawn by John Buscema. So oh, I'm like, right. this guy's drawn the best comic, and look how well he draws everything and how to draw comics the Marvel way. And so, like, that was really mm. uh, an important book to me for a long time because, like, I didn't know anything. That was the first behind the scenes peek as to like how do you actually make a comic. Yeah, and that was the first time I saw any of that information. Yeah, because it's so odd. You're like, oh, draw a circle here. And then, you know, it's like, what? Because, you know, when you start painting first or drawing first, you kind of just tend to try and draw as you see it. There's no, like, math involved in it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right. And there's a, I think there is a lot of math in, in art. There's a lot of math in everything, I guess. But there is that kind of math with, with within art, you know? Yeah, definitely. And And, you know, those are things I pick up through the years, like later on. Um, going back to anatomy and again, similarities to wrestling, like I, I feel like wrestling and, and superhero comics both fetishize the figure, the anatomy. Sure. So, for sure. you know, I think that's a major parallel visually. For sure. I think definitely women got well embellished in a lot of comics every single yes. <laughs> Yeah. You know, again, superhero comics were totally a boys club. Yeah. Uh, you know, the numbers were 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 steeply uh, on the male on, on the male side of, the, of gender. So, yeah, that's exactly what happened. You know, like they're commercial products and it's like our audience are a bunch of well, I don't know what age, like 14 to 44 year old men or something. So that's what happens. Yeah. Do you still like buy do you still buy a lot of comics? Do you still buy as much as you did when you were a kid or? It's hard, I'd say, you juggling between making comics and buying comics and reading comics and, you know. I probably buy more comics now than I've ever bought. Really? I don't I don't read them all. And um, I buy them for a wide, wide variety of reasons. There, I live in a place where comics are dumped. And so um, there are places that have quarter sales and have 50,000 comics for a quarter. Ah, and so, you know, I end up crazy. buying a long box or something and... 
and that happens, you know, from time to time. So, you know, like, and, and also like, I'll hear about new artists. So it'll be like, okay, this artist has their new <laughs> risograph zine. I'm going to order that. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, people send us stuff on cartoonist kayfabe. I teach a comics. Well, I teach a short story course and many of the students do comics. So like I'm reading their work and then, you know, like whatever just catches my eye. Like I go to the comic store cause my friends work there or own the place or whatever yeah. and kind of go there and hang out and inevitably you know, like there's so many good comics out now. Like I, I can't walk into a comic book shop and not be impressed by what I see. Yeah. So, you know, if that's where my friends are or that's where we're hanging out or whatever, then I end up finding, you know, stuff every time I go. Oh, that's cool. Do you find there's a, you've got a lot of interest from your work from doing uh, cartoonist kayfabe? Because like I was saying to you, that's how I found about about your work. Yeah. When did you, uh, when did you come into it? But do you remember like how long ago or what oh, actually episode you started with? I would say it was just a bit after the pandemic, just okay. a bit after that. So probably 2000 and what, when did that start? I'm so confused with time. 2019? Yeah, it's 20, 2020, probably, probably March ish, 2020, I'd say. Maybe no. God, I don't know. Yeah, we were, we were daily by then. Once, yeah. once the pandemic um, got underway, we started doing it daily. And it was partially for, you know, like I always say, like, I'm kind of the first kayfaber, you know, like I kayfabe affect myself half the time. <laughs> um, but once the pandemic happened and things were, you know, like hard for everybody, um, cartoonist kayfabe was a real release for me. And right. I, I don't want to speak for Ed, but I think, you know, he enjoyed it too. And so like, it became this thing of like, this is a highlight of the week. There is some normalcy. And I think a lot of people responded to that because, you know, yeah. The, when I started reading comics, the best part about them was it was much more exciting than whatever I was looking at outside of my my bedroom window in the middle of nowhere. And so in a way, like that's what we bring to Cartoonist Kayfabe, where it's like, let's show off our favorite comics. Let's talk to you know our favorite cartoonists. Let's just love comics. Yeah. And I think that uh, we hear from a lot of people that you know kind of found the channel during the pandemic for that reason. And to answer your first question, yes, it's definitely <laughs> uh, sold more books of mine um, for sure. You know, like, like it's, it's probably the thing that most people know me from, yeah. um, you know, but then again, I can't say that for sure. I don't really know. Well, it's, you cool. Know, if... well, it's cool though, because um, you know, a lot of comic book channels are people like who like comics, but you're actually making comics and you don't see a lot of artists doing podcasts and talking about comics. So it's a really kind of, cooler like you get more insight into everything and uh, i really liked it man. I, I like it i think it's really good it's really interesting you know like just sometimes when you see your feed you know the youtube feed even though i subscribe to things i'm like eh, i'm watch that sometimes but i always check out your stuff i'm like oh that's cool that's cool that's good yeah man. everybody should subscribe to cartoon escape everyone in the whole universe man. <laughs> in the whole universe the multi that's right multiverse metaverse every verse get them on today <laughs> what's better than starting your day with a comic Come on, that's 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 for sure. Well, what's your opinion on and speaking of like multiverses and all that of uh, the whole multiverse facet of comics? I would need more information. I, I'm not positive <laughs> what you're referring to. I feel like everything is multi and meta and um, well, just yeah. like do you think that um, it's like there's a part, part of me. I love the aspect of just a comic that's like Batman and he's just a dude and he's just written well he's not a normal dude he's a billionaire but you know he's just a dude and whatever he's no superpowers 
Well, you could say he kind of, no, no superpowers. Yeah, well, you could say, yeah, you could say you could say he kind of does because he seems to beat everyone. But you know, no super. He's just a grounded human being. And then when it gets into the multiverse, which I do, I have love, a theory on Batman. Right, go on. Sorry, I think Batman's an X Men, really? and I think that his superpower is luck, like Longshot. <laughs> oh, wow. and it would explain a lot of stories in Batman's history. That would be a cool comic. That what is, a... that would be a cool comic. <laughs> That would be a good maybe if Art Adams drew it. It would make do a what if <laughs> DC what if you know, but I, I like the I like the the aspect of grounded in reality. But I also like the the craziness of multiverse. But sometimes I think it takes away from the main character. You like have ten million Batman character, like one who kills people in another universe, and then one who's good. That's sometimes I can kind of like I'm not sure. I I feel like um, whether they acknowledge the multiverse or not, it's always been the way comics are. Because think of if if they didn't acknowledge it, but you just had the history of Batman comics to look at, you would find those stories anyway. You know, like they might not define it and say, this is a Batman from Earth B. (laughs) I don't know what they say. (laughs) I don't know either. (laughs) Um, But they they might not, you know, they might not define it, but it would still be, you know, like you have you have uh, Elseworlds and you have standalone graphic novels and reboots and Azrael and all this stuff. And it's like, yes, all these different artists draw Batman different. There's like 10,000 Batmans, you know, whether Mm. whether it's like written into the canon or not that's the reality. Plus you have fans drawing it and, you know, fanzines and unauthorized stuff and licensed things, you know, like bat manga. Um, it's the multiverse, whether somebody says it or not, like it's always been that way. So it's kind of one of the cool things with fictional characters. And I think especially uh, corporate owned characters, I think that's, that's what makes them characters as opposed to like literary characters that develop over, you know, over an arc mm-hmm. or whatever. Comic book superheroes don't, do that they don't develop you know so what makes them sort of more than than just a flat character is all these different interpretations right i get you does it does do you like uh comics that keep kind of rewriting origin stories or do you i hate origin stories yeah man me too me too i'm kind of over them a lot i think at the start you like them they're the least interesting thing to me almost always and the reason is there's like some wild you know preposterous part of it and that's fine i'm I'm cool with like just give me the origin in a sentence bit with a radioactive spider excellent what's he do with that (laughs) i I don't need the you know first movie or something trying to explain this origin in great detail like i've explained it i just explained everything you need to know and there's no movie that's going to make that make sense there's no two-hour version or thousand (laughs) you know, a thousand page novel or something that's going to make that interesting to me. Like, I don't care. So I don't care if you could explain the, the like, if it were a real possibility, yeah. I'm not interested in the, I'm, don't, <laughs> so not for me. So your Hulk book is not going to be much of an origin story. Shows there's him. not a lot, there's not a lot of time spent on the origin, okay. but he does eat a lot of gamma radiation throughout the pages. Yes. Okay, yum for that into <laughs> that's cool man wow how how um do you get like a lot of when you're doing a comic especially for marvel is there a lot of feedback that they give you or is it how does that work they, they were great and i i don't know how it works for anybody else you know i i think probably if you're doing a book in continuity 
you need to be kept on track more. Yeah, yeah. But they pretty much let me just do it. And I turned in the book. Um, I would turn in things along the way just to, I think, you know, because I didn't know what their expectations were, quite frankly, and how hands-on they wanted to be. So I would send them stuff as I finished it. And it would just be like, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, here's the deadline or whatever. <laughs> and good. I'd be, at, at some point, like I I, I probably drew the, um, the Hulk Grand Design Madness, the second book. Um, I drew like 20 pages of it sent it to them and then did the other 20 pages, sent it to them mm -hmm. because that was kind of like, we weren't, they, they basically let me do what I want. is what I'm saying. That's great. <laughs> and it is great. Like it, it was so awesome. And then at the end, you know, like we both read through it. We had uh, sets of notes, you know, that I sent them and they sent me. And um, I can tell you every change that I made in there, I am happy with. And I think the book is better for it. So they didn't have a lot of changes, but, but different things, you know, most of it was, um, things like, uh, comma here, M dash here, um, okay. that kind of thing. There were a couple of notes, like one was continuity. We actually switched the order of two pages, which okay. blows my mind that it worked the way it worked. And it's, it's like I say, I think it's a big improvement. So, you know, the notes that they had, the feedback that, that they gave, I think really improved the book and, um, I'm very happy with it. And if it's, if you pick it up, and please do. I will. Uh, and you're unhappy with it. Uh, you can blame me. Uh, it, it's my fault if you don't like this book. It's not a. It's not an editor or somebody. Uh, you know, making me do something I didn't want to do. Oh, which is cool. I don't. I work on my own with nobody. Uh, you know, no one tells me anything. Most of my life, most of my books are done without an editor, and I just turn them in and sometimes send them directly to the printer myself. So, you know, to work in an editorial system like Marvel's was. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect. You know, it's very different than most of my experience. Is that your first time working for Marvel? It isn't. I've done um, some some things here and there for them, covers and and um, short stories and things, but it's been with different editors. It was years ago, um, and you know the stakes are different. Doing a cover is a lot different than than spending a year or so working on on a graphic novel, essentially. Yeah. How how do you? Is it? different when you're kind of writing a panel or sorry, drawing a panel uh to get humor into it how how do you find that because if someone else is doing the story on it like do you do you kind of talk about that kind of thing with if someone's writing the dialogue or how does that work um the last time i've done something with another writer was uh the plain janes and um that's cecil castellucci's the writer of plain janes and i do the art we created the book together, like, I think over 15 years ago now. Wow. And um, she's a terrific writer. So we talk about the story and we talk about the characters and we talk about ideas, but it's in a very informal way. It's kind of like hanging out and like, what if they did this? What if we had, a, you know, this character? And it's a lot of bouncing ideas around, um, you know, and then I'll go off and I'll draw this character or whatever. And Cecil will go off and write, write the script. And so like, I'm not involved in that process, but she's a very talented writer and puts humor in her scripts, at yeah. least in the plain Janes, you know, and, and puts these emotional beats in there. And it's a matter of trying to pull that out. You know, if you're, if you're tasked with drawing it, um, you know, it's a lot of like expressions of characters and body language. And, you know, is that a, pa a page that maybe should be on the left? So you turn the page and get surprised, you know, it's some um, little things like that. But um, for the most part, like if I'm writing it myself, sometimes I'll see it when I draw it and think like, okay. Oh, this is funny. Or in the case of the Hulk um, you know, those early Hulks, like, they're not designed really to sit down and read three years of Hulk tonight. You know, uh, they're written, you know, they're dense and they re they're repetitive at times and things. So like there would be things that would pop up that would be funny sort of in the context of just how the audience has changed over the years, you know, so I'd try to work that in and 
sometimes it's words and sometimes it's images. And, you know, a lot of it isn't funny. A lot of it is like more, uh, I, I hope like action packed, um, you know, because it is, it is the Hulk. It is, I say, it's not a superhero book. I think it's a monster book. Um, but there's action and fighting and, you know, That's people good. running around and hopefully drama as well. So when you, it's a mix. When you say monster, are you uh, talking about, when I always think monster, this is just for me, I'm thinking of, um, you know, those old school universal horror picture movies. That that for me is, I like Hulk, a tribute to that kind of thing sometimes. That's interesting. Um, because I, I think there is a lot of that DNA in Hulk's uh, creation, probably, especially in the early years. And I always associate Universal Monsters with Mike Mignola's art. And, you know, yeah. he drew Hulk for he, yeah. he was a regular Hulk artist for uh, a little bit right after issue 300. So um, it's not hard to make those connections. You know, I think yeah. of Mignola as a great monster artist. So it's, it's uh, you know, certainly something that's on my mind as I think about, like, how do you depict Hulk? Um, although I think as the series went on, it, it moves away from the Universal Monsters quite a bit is it kind of goes more into the superhero kind of direction. But yeah, I think that DNA is in there. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. My cat's going to grab me again. These cats, they're, they're, they're a nightmare. Here. <laughs> sorry about that. Well, whenever your name's Stalin, I mean, I wonder if that's the cat's destiny. What, well, you know, I what know, else could he do? She, she's quite lovely though. She does sleep with me and everything and she hasn't killed me yet. So, you know, I, I, I trust her, you know, I gotcha. <laughs> how do you, um, how do you find her? How did you find I don't know what it was like years ago, but paint drawing on those um, electronic pads. Did you, is it is it a weird difference to do it or is it how does it compare to just normal sketching? Yeah, I draw on an iPad and, you know, it's with the Apple Pencil and it feels pretty good. I, I probably spend with the Hulk. I didn't spend half of my time on an iPad, but I do my page layout. So every page I, I kind of touch it at some point. Oh, and it's um it's forgiving in a way because you can undo things so yeah. you can sketch very quickly yeah. and with pages especially like for page layout you might want to move a figure just like this much uh, if that's something that you drew in pencil it can be painstaking to try to do that transfer depending again how you work maybe you use a light table so you can slide the paper over um but you know it's uh the digital definitely makes some of that stuff easier it makes color easier so sometimes i'm coloring even at my like rough layout stage and that's pretty awesome um you know, I love color. And so like being able to color this book myself, I'm hoping that's going to be something that people respond to and enjoy. But it starts on that very first, like sometimes in the very first sketch of the page, sometimes the color is the idea that, you know, I built a page around. So that's something that working on an iPad allows me to do that would have been something I didn't do before on paper. I, you know, you could do color studies on paper, but it yeah. wasn't something I used to do. Uh, when you're like, light... at least not for every page. Yeah, that's interesting, though. When you when you're like, um, lying in bed at night, do you ever get like IDs and you have to get up and, you know, scribble things? Because I'm a musician. Sometimes I'm lying in bed and I go, oh, shit. And I get go to my studio and I, you know, do something. Yes. <laughs> oh, you yes, do, yeah. that happens. <laughs> it happens anywhere. You know, it happens whenever I'm going running or working out or eating or something, you know, like the ideas happen a lot. And then it's kind of like I do this uh, wrestling in my brain with, is that idea important enough that I need to make sure I preserve it or... You know, I'll just I'll, I'll play the odds and see if I remember it at some later time. That's always a good you know? sign, though. If you can remember it, it means something. And if you kind of forget it, you're like, oh, well, maybe it's just kind of not really a good idea. Well, that's me. I, I, I record a lot. 
I, um, you know, I keep notes on my phone. I keep a notepad. I keep a sketch pad. That's mostly notes. Um, you know, so I have a kayfabe document that's something like 400 pages long of just kayfabe notes. Wow. Um, yeah, I just keep adding to it and it's, you know, the great American novel or something. Wow. So yeah, like I, I, I definitely take notes. Um, I have a bad memory, I think, but I don't know. Maybe everybody does, you know, um, outside of a very few, you know, really talented memoryists or something. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I tend to take a lot of notes. Do you, do you remember when you were a kid? When you were a kid, did you do a lot of drawing your own comics and having storyboards out and everything like that? I did, of course. Yes, you have to. You have yeah. to. You know, like when I figured out you could fold a piece of paper in half and staple it, and that pretty much made a comic. <laughs> it was like life changing. You know, like that yeah. was the day I became a comic book artist. You know, like from then on, it was just fold that paper in half, staple it, and I fill it up with, with your <laughs> really stupid ideas. But uh, go to town. Have you found any of them? You know, when you go back and you find your old things, you're like, holy shit, I totally forgot that happened. And then you found it. And there's some, there's quite a charm in those kind of things of when you were a kid, isn't there? There definitely is. And unfortunately, I got rid of most of my art from before oh. probably the age 20. And it, it breaks my heart. Like I think about certain drawings I did. And it's probably if I had them, they would be terrible. I'd look at them <laughs> once and be like, wow, is that bad? But in my mind, it's like, Oh yeah, you spent like all weekend and drew it on poster board and it's, you know, recreation of Ronin cover or something ridiculous. Right. I'm sure it's terrible. It, it, I would love to see it though. And uh, unfortunately, I got rid of most of that stuff. Um so man, my, just lives in my memory now. My mother found uh, like a copy I had from a kid and she goes, I found this for you. I was like, what is that? I opened up. It was a full Sonic video game. I designed it. It's insane. You'd swear I was on acid or something taking this thing. I was like, that's mental looking. I mean, the art is terrible, but it's just crazy. I was like, what the hell was I doing? Did I even do this? It's so weird. Like, that's my favorite kind of art. That's sort of like you just obsessively go into this world, whatever yes. that world is. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoy that stuff quite a bit. Do you totally like if you're into something, do you totally go down the rabbit holes? Like, I need to find out everything about this, about everything. <clears throat> I try not to. Um, years ago, I stopped being a completist because I, I think there's a psychological profile for collectors and, and creators and different every, you know, a lot of stuff. Um, you know, if you can profile serial killers, you can probably profile comic book collectors. <laughs> and so I realized, like, I don't want to have to buy the whole run of something. You know, if I'm curious, yes. if I hear, you know, this artist is good or this series is good or whatever, I'm happy to buy one issue and kind of like I'll test it out rather than buy, you know, a 12 issue run or something and find out like I'm not really interested in this. And I thought this is great. Like I became very even mooded. And, um, and then I realized like, you know, maybe it's not great. I, I, I'm so I'm embracing the, the fanatic part a little bit more this year. That's one of my new year's resolutions, because like, nice. if I'm going to spend time on something, I'm going all in and we'll see how that works out. Right. Well, that's, that's always a good thing. What are you, what are you going fanatic about now? Any comic at the moment? Um, no, every Hulk is so packed into my brain right now. We sent um, yesterday, I believe the print files actually went to the printer for, oh, for cool, uh, Hulk Grand Design Monster. And this is like such a big moment for me because, again, I usually do everything myself and I send, you know, like I'm involved in this final step. And that's kind of the end of it, unless something shows up in proofs or, you know, 
the printer has some feedback, which happens. I've, I've been called from, from printers really? like all over the world. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's usually to say they think they found something that's wrong. Um, oh, no. Dreaded <laughs> words. No one wants to hear. So, you know, sending it to the printer is a big deal, though, because in a lot of ways, like I'm done tinkering now with book one. I have notes on changes I might make for a book collection, but it's going to be like, let me see how book one prints. And then I'll follow up on some of these notes if, if things need, you know, to, to be changed or improved or something. And now it's like Hulk book two is, is sort of like the next one that's going to be passed out. And it's all in my head, you know, like you want to make all the changes, everything that you were unhappy with at any point, And you're like, I'll come back and fix that foot or I'll, you know, that background should be yellow, not magenta. Right. Like now's the time to do it. So you're balancing like all of these things and, you know, racing against time to, uh, to make the best book that you can make. And that's oh. the state that I'm in now. So any free energy I have is basically going into get Hulk madness right. to the printer in right. the best shape I can. Stress, a bit stressful, is it? I wouldn't want to be in this mode all the time, but it's pretty <laughs> exhilarating from time to time. Like it's really exciting. You know, it's, it's, it's the combination of finishing a book, a project I've been working on for over a year. And, you know, this is, this is running a marathon. This is your last mile, you know, and if you've paced everything out, like, yes, it's the most stressful mile, but it's also the most, you know, it's, it's very exciting. You know, things are about to change. You're, you're, you're accomplishing a goal that you've had. And so it feels good. You know, it's, um, I don't know how my wife feels about it. <laughs> I'm sure my mood is different in this time frame, um, but it's you know it's great. It's something that you know this book started out as a proposal that I sent to Marvel and and hoped, uh, you know, hoped I'd get a chance to do it. Um, you know, brilliant. and so like to be standing here now, it's kind of like, all right, well done. You know, what what was it like the first ever time that you got a comic book back here? It's like a physical comic book that you held your hand that you did. What was that? That must have been just so cool, man. See, this is a big moment in my life. It wasn't. Oh, I, um, no. <laughs> the first book that I had published was Street Angel, Street Angel number one by SLG. And it was in the Diamond Previews catalog, you know, pre-order it, yeah, everything. Yeah. And so I went to my comic shop, my regular comic shop on the day that it came out. And I remember looking at it on the stands and it was kind of like, oh, that's cool. And nobody's looking at it. And it's just kind of there. And the whole time I was there, no one looked at it. Oh, no. <laughs> I remember leaving and just feeling like I feel the same as before I walked into that comic shop. You know, like <laughs> I'm expecting some life changing moment. And I left there and thought like, wow, that was that was kind of anticlimactic. But I had finished drawing it six months before that. Since then, I had drawn two more comics. And believe me, I believe them to be better than the first one. You know, like you're right, getting better as you right, work. Yeah. And I'm trying to write like the fourth one. You know, like my head was so far removed from that first book. And I realized like the great moments of making comics is my time drawing the comics. You know, the, the actual process is the reward. Um, you know, seeing it on the stands, in a way, it's out of my hands at that point. Yeah. You know, like I, I can no longer do anything with that. Um, you know, in the case of Hulk Grand Design Monster, I'm going to bring it in and I'm going to take it apart. You know, I'm going to examine Sweet. it like an autopsy <laughs> and figure out like, what can I do better for a reprint, you know, for a book collection. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, from a feeling good or whatever, I remember just being like, huh, there it is. <laughs> you know? yeah. I don't know what I expected. I thought there'd be a spotlight and music would be playing and that didn't happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, it always stood out to me as being like, that's interesting. It's, it's, it's not, it's not the feeling I expected to get from that moment. And, yeah. um, you know, I learned a lot that day.
Yeah, you do learn from those things. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, when you get, you've saved up for something so long, sometimes you get it and you're like, eh, I thought that was kind of, not that I'm equating it to your, your comic book. It's, it's you know. a great example. If you, if you listen to these, like, you know, how to be happier or whatever, there's a lot more emphasis on that journey, whatever it is, saving money to buy this thing that you've wanted for a long time. Um, you know, it's almost the expectations are a part of what makes the the positive feelings come out of that experience. Yeah, for the sure. actual thing is kind of a different thing. Like now you're directionless, yeah. you have no goals. <laughs> What's next? Um, you know, so yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's it's interesting how that works. Yeah, it's like you know when you work when you're working out and you get in really good shape. It's the journey of getting to that shape that's actually the good thing. Because then when you're in shape, you're like. Fuck! I gotta keep in shape now. I have to keep. I have to keep doing this now. Whereas the build up to it is almost better than being in shape. Yeah, you know, you're probably right about that because um, I run sometimes, and you know, I've run races and things where like there's pretty intense training that precedes them, and that is you know, where you're like really on top of it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the day of the race, it's like, well, whatever you did. <laughs> um, I will say uh, some of the races though have been a much more rewarding experience than seeing my comic on the rack the first time. Really? Wow. Are you doing marathons like, is it? Yeah, I have. I've done comics about them too. Like um, I, I ran one, I ran my first marathon. The um, It was like around the same weekend, maybe the week after the week before the first Street Angel book came out at Image Comics. And I kind of thought this is going to be busy. Like I'm going to be doing signings and promoting it and trying to sell this thing. I need to stay like sane. And so yeah. I decided I would, I would run a marathon and that would, the sanity would come from the schedule, the training schedule, you know, it would kind of keep me grounded. And, um, and it did, it was a really good experience, but the actual finish, like the day of the, the race, that's the longest I'd ever run in my life. Um, you know, because in training, like you, I think I ran 20 miles or something like that in training and, you know, marathon 26 miles. And so, you, you know, you never know how that's actually going to go because I hadn't done it before then. And it felt pretty good. You know, like, like that whole experience was kind of like, wow, this is, this is better than I expected it to be. Wow. That's good. What's when you're kind of, how is it when you're like, you're like, oh my, your body's saying, just stop, man. You know, just to stay, go home, relax. Cause you have to keep kind of going, no, man, I gotta keep going. <laughs> Yes. And w w whenever I was training, I would listen to running podcasts and things like that. Oh, okay. and they, they would talk about like, um, you know, it was a, a lot like anything about a marathon I would listen to. And they would talk about like this 20 mile, I forget what it's called, but it's like this stretch that just hits you. And it's kind of like this, you know, almost like a melancholy or something, yeah. because I guess it's when your body has just had enough. And it's like, you still have a long way to go. Like you might have another hour to run. Yeah. And, uh, that happened. It was terrible. You know, it was like, oh, you just got to push through it. But, you know, it, it was weird to think like, OK, I'm ready for it. I've yeah. been hearing about it. You know, I think I can handle this. And it was everything that they said it was. You know? Really? And I yeah. like when's the last time you did one? Um, well, my first one was also my last one. <laughs> <laughs> you went down. So, yeah, it's, it's all in the storytelling, you know. Well, hey, going, going out in the high, you, 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 it's got to be done. Is this this Hulk uh, book you're bringing out seems to be kind of I, I could be wrong, but you seem very more pa passionate about it than a, is it one of your biggest passions, this book? Um, you know, whatever project I'm working on, I tend to be this way about. And you're it's like for the reasons I mentioned. Of. Yeah, you're all in. You know, I mean, for Hulk, like I wrote it, drew it, colored it, 
I'm doing design. I lettered it, you know, like it's, this is what I did last year. So I'm all in, in that, like, this was my best effort to make this book. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm happy to get it out there. That's, that was the whole goal. Uh, but I, I feel that way with whatever I'm working on, yeah. you know, because like comics are time consuming, you know, it, it's, um, it's hard to do more than one comic at a time. I, I know some people do it and I don't know how they do it, but you know, inevitably I, I sort of get all in on whichever comic I'm working on at the time. So you're not kind of going from one to one, you're kind of myopically kind of honing in on that one. Most of the projects that I've done, I start and it's like, I start with not just a blank piece of paper. Like I start with what size is this book going to be? Oh, you know, so like, I don't even do the standard 11 by 17, you know, same trim size and stuff. Like if you look at my street angel books, I had done those, that was a last, I don't know if that was my last big project, maybe plain Jane's, but each one is a little bit different. And, you know, like I'm starting like from a blank, like not even a blank sheet of paper. I'm going to define what size that paper is, is like mm -hmm. step one or, or somewhere in the beginning. So, you know, they are these projects of like, I conceive of what the book looks like before I even write the book. Um, I did Octobriana 1976, two years ago as a Kickstarter. And the idea, it's the world's first blacklight comic. So what happened was I was screen printing blacklight posters and I thought wow. I can replicate this in the offset process. So I went to Chris Pitzer who publishes Ad House Books and published Aphrodisiac and published the Street Angel collection probably that you read, uh, Super Mag, Notebook Drawings. Like I've worked with Ad House a lot. They're a really good publisher and really good with print production. Mm -hmm. And I said, we were, we were at Angoulême. I have to throw that in because that's it's such a great comics moment <laughs> in my life, just being there, um, you know, maybe standing in front of the Hergé's uh, statue. But uh, I told him this idea. I was like, hey, I think that you could use spot colors and you could do it this way and it would be a blacklight comic book. And he was like, yeah, I think that would work. Let's do it. It took me a year to figure out, like, that was the beginning of that project, but it took me a year before I decided, oh, it'll be Octobriana. Like, that oh. fits. You know, I just had the idea of I'm going to do a comic book, so it's comic book size. I'm going to use these ink colors because I think I can create a blacklight effect. And then it was like search for a story idea. And, you know, it's like you walk around and I did other stuff. I actually started the Hulk um, right before I did Octobriana. And we didn't finalize the contract. So I had to stop working on it at that time. And I did Octobriana because it's like that the idea had formed at that point. And it was like, great, I've got some, I've got a couple of months. I'm going to do this idea now. So, you know, like it just depends on the project, but you know, this is why I get into all of them, you know? And then once I decide I'm going to do a blacklight comic, it was like, look at every blacklight thing that I can find, you know, right. books that have printed with blacklight ink, um, posters, history of, and you just try to, you know, make the best blacklight comic book I can make, you know? <laughs> exactly. Who's, um, who's your comic book heroes? Gosh, uh, probably Dan Klaus, you know, he did eight ball, uh, ghost world, patience um a lot of different great comics but i started reading him um whenever i was kind of finishing up college and i was the comic shop in my town had closed at that point where i was going to school so comics that was about as far as i drifted away from comics whenever i found dan Klaus eight ball right. and that brought me back into this like alternative different direction of comics and really led to kind of the diy stuff that i do because like you know if you look at an eight ball comic he's drawing the logo he's doing the colors on the cover um, you know, he's doing virtually everything, the design, the stories, yeah. you know, and that appealed to me, um, especially because at the time, comics were also kind of in the tank. Marvel declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Um, it was before the movies happened. So the late 90s, early 2000s, it was like, 
this yeah. might be the end of it. And it yeah. just became like passion projects. And I was making mini comics because I could afford to make those while working full time. But it, it was like, that's what made sense. Like it was just comics weren't going to die as long as a few people who really cared about making comics continued to make comics is what it felt like. And I wanted to be a part of that. And a lot of that came from that alternative comics crowd because that's what I saw them doing. You know, like they just made the entire thing themselves. Yeah. And it was like, well, that's what I got to learn to do then, I guess. That's good. I like that when the artist is also writing the stories. So, you know, you'd always see art by so-and-so, story by so-and-so. Yes. I always liked that that it was a whole, when someone just did a whole thing because you're like, oh, this is all them. And you know it's all them as opposed to, well, what part was Stanley and what part was Jack Kirby? You right. know, I know the art is Jack Kirby, but you know what I mean? Art does tell a story as well. And I just, I, I liked that idea that there, you just, it's a whole thing yourself because I do all my instruments. I all play myself. There is a kind of, there is a kind of, sometimes you can get lost, you know, when it's just yourself. Do you find that 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 can be a hard thing? Yeah, it's really intense. Uh, you know, you 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 talk about how into or how passionate I am about Hulk. Yeah. Part of that is because like I spent the last year, you know, in this room five or six days a week by myself for long hours thinking about the Hulk. <laughs> you know, like, That's cool, um, though, man. I like that. It, I like that that frame of mind because you you're always going to do something good. You know, it's authentic. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, but you definitely, you know, there are times that I get lost in the Hulk. Um, you know, it's almost, I always think like if you did a daily comic strip, you know, like three panels or four panels, whatever it was, but a formula of that sort, yeah, you would start to see like all of your experiences through that lens. You know, mm -hmm. everything would be a four panel comic. And so, you know, you work on the Hulk and you read 500 comic books. Um, you start to, you know, like it, it certainly is, everything I have like a metaphor or an analogy about a Hulk story and believe right. me, nobody around me wants to hear any of them. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I, I have to like deprogram the Hulk. Now I've got to figure out what the anti Hulk is for my, uh, for my next project. Oh, okay. Do you, do you like, uh, do you run about things by Ed or is it just you're solely we mostly just talk about whatever we excitedly did that week, you know, right. so like we're constantly showing each other, Hey, I colored this cover, check this out, you know, or this is the new page of red room. Um, but it's not so much uh, feedback, but you know, inevitably you get some, you'll see the stuff where he's like, Oh man, that's yeah, you did something there, you know, so you get little cues, but it's not, it's not like uh, we're, we're, you know, time to have our story meeting or something yeah, yeah. like that. You know, we kind of do our own thing and, it's, it's something I'm grateful for with this Pittsburgh scene, because there are a handful of cartoonists in Pittsburgh where I live. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we all do everything ourselves, but we also do completely different styles of comics. You know, our sensibilities and influences are very different. So I like that part, you know, compared to, say, a studio um, where there's sort of like a house style being put out. Um, I feel like, you know, we're pretty different from one another. And, and I think that's a... Uh, different is is what i like in comics so you know i want to maintain that and uh yeah sometimes uh we'll work together in the same space but not really uh collaboratively yeah but it, it's 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 uh it must be cool doing the podcast because it's just like two friends definitely talking. you know it's just the, i like that you know i hate interviews man i, I if someone i'm the worst interviewer ever so but talk to somebody's kind of cooler because you know an interview is just this like 
ridiculous like you know those American I know you're American sorry but you know those kind of interviews that I'm talking about it's like next up with Dan Rather and they're just all pre-questioned they know the questions um we used to do po- I used to do a podcast and I would have I, I tend to prep for the interviews you know have some notes and things in front of me right. and I would usually send those or I would ask the guest if they wanted them ahead of time and some people did and some people didn't okay okay if it's something historical sometimes I think it can um can be useful to think about it ahead of time yeah um but like i say some people are just like we're just going to talk for an hour i'm <laughs> and, so uh, like other that people, man <laughs> they, they, they want to know ahead of time do you want uh, you, what which, the plan is which do you prefer do you prefer knowing ahead of time should i have sent you almost, questions <laughs> <laughs> almost everything that uh that i've done for promo for hulk has been just on the fly like this that's cool, i don't know though. the last time somebody sent me questions ahead of time of like a uh you know a, an audio or video interview that's cool. Though. I think it's just a bit more natural because, you know, you're going to definitely, you know, there's just like a conversation and people are like, oh, those two dudes are having a conversation and we're watching it through a screen. How weird is that? <laughs> so, right, so, exactly. So, so odd about it. it is kind of weird now that you put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, but cool. You know, it's kind of, you know, the Internet is a place for people who are kind of at home and watching things. You know, I, th- I think I'm definitely kind of more introverted. So Internet's great for me, you know. Would you would you say you're introverted or extroverted or I, you know, I suppose I'm introverted. I certainly live an introverted life. You know, like I said, I'm mostly, you know, just sitting at the drawing table uh five or six days a week. So well, it seems introverted. You know, yeah. my behavior I think is uh is is in line with that. But it doesn't mean you're actually you know, you can be you can do introverted things, but actually be quite extroverted sometimes, I find. I know some people are very introverted and they go out and they're like fucking crazy. You're like, Whoa, cool, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Sergio Aragones, right. you know, like he's a cartoonist that sits, sits, you know, like he's so prolific. Clearly he spends a lot of time sitting at a drawing table, but yet he's the most like just fantastic person to, to bump into somewhere to run into or talk to. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's probably an example of that. I oh. wonder if that makes drawing his comics harder because he seems like such a people person. Yeah. You'd love to ask. <laughs> um, Next time I talk to him. Well, what was I going to say? I'll, 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 taking up a lot of your time but so but i'll just ask you one more thing um how many parts is the stan lee deposition gonna have because that sounds like it's gonna be long i don't know how many parts we did um a big chunk yesterday we did almost a third of it so um you know it kind of depends where natural breaks fall but the stuff that we did yesterday was the creation of the marvel universe oh whoa yes (laughs) oh whoa that's the good stuff um, right there it, it's so good. You know, we've, we've started looking at these depositions. And in the case of somebody like Stan Lee, I don't know if he was ever interviewed by the Comics Journal or something comparable that was like an in-depth interview. Mm. And so in this case, it's like it's 100 pages of Stan Lee just talking about, I believe, talking Marvel history and comics history. And like it might be the best Stan Lee interview ever. And it's, you know, it's outside of comics in some ways, but it's also the greatest. So yeah, going through, it's been amazing. Like he's talked about Marvel method. Um, he's talked about like how stories would be passed around amongst freelancers. You know, it's really a snapshot of like fifties and sixties Marvel offices. And now that they're getting into like the creation of the Marvel universe, it's, um, it's phenomenal. You know, I mean, it's, it's everything you want to would want to ask Stan Lee. It feels like they're getting into. So, wow. 
it's entertaining so far, you know. It's it's cool to hear the account. It'd be great if they'd done one on Bob Kane. That dude was just notorious for like just oh, I created that and I drew that. There was that story. We have we have a deposition of Bob Kane. No way. Whoa. Yeah, there was um I think it's I wanna say it's Will Eisner. I think it's a Will Eisner trial. But if you ever read Will Eisner's The Dreamer, there's okay. a there's a little piece in there where um, he is actually it might not be against Will Eisner, but he may be one of the witnesses or something. Um, but it's all these guys from like the early 40s. And I think it was related to a Captain Marvel um, lawsuit where it was like okay. another character or or a Superman like character. But whatever it was, it was like another superhero that was, you know copyright trademark infringement, you know, that kind of a, a lawsuit. And so like, there are these historical comics figures that testified about it. Oh, and wow. uh, yeah, so that it exists, you know, it, it, it exists. Wow. And wow. Uh, hopefully we'll get into some of that because the history stuff's really fun, um, you yeah. know, especially in their own words. Cause again, not that many interviews out there with uh, with a lot of these guys. Yeah. Jeez. I, like was there loads of stuff that when you were reading it, you were like, I never knew that. Or did you kind of know a lot of stuff? Yeah, I, I, I've been familiar with it, but you know, a lot of times it's secondhand or thirdhand yeah, or yeah. or something. I have a foggy memory of like I don't know where I actually learned that or if that's accurate. So I don't know that there's any been any big revelations, but just again, hearing it in Stan's words have been like that's the magic, you know, is like let him describe how he edited a bunch of these legendary artists and shuffled artwork around and, you know, what, what publishing was like back then. Right. Because he was always a bit kind of, I remember when people would say, hey, Steve Ditko said he co-created Spider-Man. He's like, well, if he said he did, he did. I'm like, dude, that's such a non-answer. It was such a like, you know, it's like, come on, Stan. Come on, man. Yeah. I, you know, I'm curious to see like how, how that stuff is handled in this trial because, uh, or in this um, deposition because it's 2010 is the date of the deposition. And I think mm. the quote you're talking about, you know, in regards to Ditko and Spider-Man, I think is from the nineties maybe. So, yeah. you know, like it may come up, you know, that's the nature of this deposition is ultimately it's a Jack Kirby um, versus Marvel is the case. So mm. the nature of the deposition is kind of like who should get these credits, you know, who created this or that, you know, under what circumstances were these new characters created yeah. and it's it's just wild. It's really like they were reading from um, Alter Ego what? <laughs> in a recent. <laughs> yes. You know, like this is the evidence that is introduced will be like an article from Roy Thomas's Alter Ego fanzine. Oh, my or, God. Yeah, it's 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 wild, you know, like it's it's just wild, like because it feels so inside comics on some level, you know, like they're asking about the date and the number of the issue that's being entered into evidence. <laughs> like it's, wow. You sit there. I was thinking today there should be like a CGC person <laughs> at all of these, uh, any comics related, you know, court proceedings who yeah. handles the, uh, the evidence <laughs> yeah. exhibits and stuff. If the jury wants to look at, you know, page seven of, of ghost rider, like this guy would like open it up carefully with white gloves. That'd be cool. It's a Netflix documentary right there. Six parts. <laughs> you know, have you ever, have you ever tried to get any of your shows, your shows, sorry, your comics made into, into series or anything like that? Not really. Um, people contact us about that. Um, but, it's just it's such a different thing yeah, different world. you know like like this marvel doing the hulk has been a really positive experience and i've enjoyed it and i can't think of anything that i would point at and say you know i'd change this or that like it, it went really smooth 
but I'm also conscious that it's Marvel. You know, if they decide that they don't want this one page to be this way, they can make it a different way um, with or without me. You know, that's right, just sort of right. the, the contract. And it's made me very aware of like how valuable it is to be able to just do your own stuff. Um, you know, it, it, it makes me miss that, you know, like I long for that. Mm. So um, that's been interesting. And, you know, Hollywood, like any kind of Hollywood licensing is the opposite. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is a it is a team effort and it's meetings and it's, you know, just all these layers of stuff that is, to be honest, not creative. You know, you're, you're just kind of like doing a lot of I always joke and say, like, I'll sit at my drawing table for free and then everything else is what I get paid for administration and, you know, sending in invoices and doing taxes and, you know, all of meetings and stuff like that. That's all the work part. And I feel like any kind of licensing, it's all the work part and it's not the fun yeah. part of like making the thing. Um, that said, I'm not against that. You know, I'm, I'm open to it, but it's not something I'm pursuing actively because like, I don't have aspirations to be a filmmaker. I'm not yeah. trying to, you know, maybe that'll change. But for right now, I just want to make more comments. Have you ever got into looking to do your art with like NFTs or anything like that? I know I'm going way into crypto here, man. Um, not not very much. Um, I don't know very much about it. Um, I have been had people talk to me about, you know, making some of my art into NFTs, but it's not something I'm pursuing at the moment. And uh, quite frankly, I just don't know enough about it to say any more than that. You know, like maybe that's something I'll look at uh, whenever I finish the Hulk and have some downtime. But yeah. For now, I just don't know that much about it. Um, I think I'm I, sure I can't say anything informed or intelligent about it. I think it. I think it. I think your stuff would do really well because it's like I. I, I will. I, you know, on the surface of something like an NFT, will say it's like a digital asset, and people can go, "Ah, oh, well, I can copy that anyways." But people with these NFTs, like, it's like, it's like them having a Rolex, but it's like the Rolex is online. You know what I'd say? It's a form of like value that even though maybe my generation didn't grow up with that like younger generations that's they live online more than us so that those things are more real to them than to probably my generation if you know what i mean and i think they're the the, the younger guys are going where the future is going and so that's what that's that's probably my view on it i, I think i think it's a it's going to be future kind of thing Maybe yeah, you very, very well may be right. You know, a year from now, this conversation could be totally different in regards to that. But yeah. like I said, it's just a topic I don't know enough about to have an intelligent conversation yeah. with you about it. Yeah. Google NFTs, like just go into a rabbit hole, man. <laughs> well, like, man, anyways, no thanks for doing this. Like, no no problem at all. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that Hulk book. I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to get that. Me too. I'm, I'm very excited for it to actually be in people's hands. You know, I spent a year not talking about it. And so now that it's near the end, it's like, I can't wait to actually just talk to everybody about it and Brilliant. put it out there and, and see how it goes. So I hope you'll enjoy it. I will. I'll fire it. I'll fire it. I'll fire you an email <laughs> once I read it and let you know what it's like, man. Sounds good. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much, much, Paul. Oh, man, much appreciate. And if people want to reach you, they can reach you at jimrug.com. Yeah, they can. Well, they can follow me um, on Instagram or Twitter at jimrugart, all one word. They should subscribe to Cartoonist Kayfabe yes. on YouTube, our daily video series about all things comics. And um, they can join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash jimrug. And the next big thing I plan to do on Patreon is put together a Hulk process zine. Oh. Um, basically, I'm putting together the Hulk book. And so I'll be running a lot of uh, trying to figure out how to put that together, that process I plan to share. Um, oh, class. I know a lot of the uh, a lot of my patrons are into looking at original art and things like that. So 
I try to uh, try to provide that. Oh, that's super cool, man. Well, cheers so much for doing this and for your time. Really enjoyed it, man. I probably could have talked for hours. It's, 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 I love all I talk, could talk for hours, but you have a busy day. <laughs> but thank you very I am much. Back, man. back to drawing. So, right. All right. Well, Thanks, good Paul. luck. Have a nice day. Bye bye.